The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. What's up, fitness family on the internet? This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. I'm Sean for Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest this morning is Mark Barnes. Mark, thanks for coming on. Sean, I love what you do, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on, too. So Mark is uh, Mark is going to talk to us about Life After 50, which... You know, he just told he told tells me uh, before broadcasting here that's when life actually begins. And as a man who just <laughs> crossed into forty this year, I am so excited to hear that. And if you're in my position or older, you're probably eager to hear that as well too. So, educator, entrepreneur, and co-author of the book "Hacking Life After 50, 10 Ways to Beat Father Time and Live a Long, Healthy, Joy-Filled Life." That's certainly a mouthful, but that's everything I want to hear and more. So, Mark, I thank you again for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, after 50s life, man, that's what we talk about. And, awesome. um, and, and, you know, all the things that you mentioned in that, the subtitle of Hacking Life After 50, my co-author, Jim Sturdivant, uh, and I are, are very big into talking about things that uh, lead to a long healthy, joy-filled life. I always say I want to live to a hundred. And, and a lot of times people are like a hundred. Oh, that's, that's kind of scary because, you know, we picture that later life as, you know, broken down and, mm -hmm. and, and worthless and battling all of the ailments that are out there. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, man, I don't, I'm, I'm good. You know, if I get to 80 and I'm healthy, okay, I'm good. But so I always say a healthy hundred, that's what we're after. We're after a healthy hundred, we're on that journey. And, um, want to bring as many people along as possible. And that's what we're writing about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You say that people tell you that a hundred sounds scary when you say, I want to live to be a hundred. I had a woman on not that long ago who was talking about living to 120 and she's serious about that. She was talking about going to 120 <laughs> and still doing handstand pushups. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about lofty goals, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's cool. And, uh, you know, there might be some overlap in what she was talking about and what we're going to mm -hmm. talk about, because, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's a, so much new science and, you know, longevity really just got popular within the last decade. I mean, you know, the research and the study in longevity yeah. uh, and in the last decade, there has been so much new that has come out. And, you know, the thing is, we we used to feel like we were really limited by first of all genetics and then also disease you know mm -hmm. so you know we the, the statistics constantly talk about people dying from cardiac events and and you know now alzheimer's and dementia and i have experience with that because both of my parents had that uh still lived into their 90s but you know the i think people the the uh, the default is um something's gonna get me you know and now, I mean, there's there's people out there writing about longevity who who call, um, you know, dying and aging a disease that we can beat mm -hmm. it, if we change our lifestyles a little bit. So yeah. that that's what we're doing is saying. And I love the idea of 120. I always say live to a healthy hundred is yeah. my goal. That's what we're chasing. Uh, and that's why we say, you know, as you said in the open, that 50 is, is sort of like when life begins, you know, we look at the first half, we talk about um, act two of life, you know, it's trendy mm -hmm. for people to say that there's three acts in life, you know, your, your childhood, and then your career, and then your old age or retirement. We say there's those first 50 years. And that's when you're doing a lot of those things, you're growing up, you're maturing, you're maybe finding your mate, you're having kids, grandkids, whatever, you're and then you transition out of your career. And when you get to 50, a lot of people are still working. I still work. But, you know, I, we're, we're looking at that second half of life and we don't want to look at it with the attitude that all right now I'm just waiting to get dementia or, or cancer or something. What we want to do is say we can still thrive. And this is the time we've got we've we've had 50 years of experience. You know, mm -hmm. let's take that and let's use it to live and to thrive to 100 or hey, maybe 120. 
I think the age that we're in is somewhat paradoxical because um, we are at this time and now where people are living, at least in this country, in the first world, people are living longer and and better than they ever have before. But we're also seeing another kind of scary, disturbing trend that's coming up where um, the generation after, say, you and maybe even me is getting sicker Mm -hmm. earlier and is being diagnosed with things like even like dementia. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, in their th- late 30s, yeah, 30s and 40s, and they're having to carry that on um, into their advancing years. Um, so it's it's pretty impossible to think about living to 100 or 120 when you've been burdened with dementia already when you're not even 40 years old here. Yeah. So what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Do you see the same, things the same way? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. There's there's more and more uh, there's more studies today, uh, and again, as I said before, we're we're looking into this more, and we are finding that uh, a lot of these things are happening early. Early onset Alzheimer's and dementia is a thing. It's a real mm-hmm. thing, and it's a frightening thing. So, like you said, if you're in your forties and and you're thinking about, you know, well, I could I I could get dementia, or maybe you do get it. That's a that's a really scary thing. And it, when you're talking about longevity, you're going to feel like you're going to give up. You know, we were talking b- before the broadcast about, um, you know, about the younger generation and about, you know, starting earlier, even in your 20s. And a lot of the science now is saying that, that we can, dementia and Alzheimer's are not a given. You know, uh, my, my parents both had dementia and Alzheimer's. So I, I watched them degenerate you know, to, uh, over the last few years of their life. And, I, and I'm happy to say that they got to call it 85 still, you know, with, with good cognition and, and health. But then I watched those last few years, dramatic decline. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm doomed. You know, that's it. I've heard people say, well, my mom and dad both died in their 60s. So I, I maybe have till 60 and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the research now is saying it's not true. And you're not doomed if you have those genes. So for me, that's a big part of of what we're doing in Life After 50 is um, we're saying, I'm not doomed and I'm going to do the things that the new science is saying help. And that is fitness, both uh, physical, mental fitness. And there are things that you can do um, to, to, to beat the odds. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to sit here and go, I'm done at, I'm done at, you know, 80, or if I get to 80, I'm going to get dementia and Alzheimer's and I won't remember who you are or anything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I think it's even more uh, so important that, you know, like you also mentioned earlier, like before we started recording here, that we talked about younger people getting on board with this idea of living not only longer, yeah. but better. Like that used to be kind of broadly just kind of thrown around. It's like, well, you'll live to be a hundred. But no one talked about the quality of your life when you were at 100. If you, if you are uh, so burdened with um, Alzheimer's or dementia that you don't recognize anyone around you, mm-hmm. um, that's not really worth the journey of getting to 100, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure most, if not all, of everyone listening would agree with that. Um, but and it just, this, this just occurred to me actually yesterday you know, when I was in the shower, incidentally, Um, the fact that, like I said earlier, that people are getting sicker with more kind of what we typify as older uh, afflictions like dementia, when there's getting up like uh, in their 30s and 40s, not like dementia, but like heart disease as well. The fact that the younger generation is getting stuck with this earlier. And we're talking about living longer past, you know, the the older generation here are doing better than the, than the uh, previous generation. It seems like then we're now regressing back in the, in the other direction here. Well, I, th- you know, I think that for one, you know, living in a pandemic world has really changed a lot of attitudes. So, you know, we saw, and I, and I'm not sure without looking if it was either 2020 or 2021, but we saw, um, life expectancy reduced by nearly a year, uh, you know, due to COVID and many deaths that happened during that time. Suddenly, for the first time, we saw a reduction in life expectancy. 
Now we're still, when you think about compared to, you know, the thirties and forties, when people live to maybe 40, you know, our life expectancy now is in the late seventies. I think that's for men and maybe 80 for women. That's great. Right. So I think younger people tend to look at that and say, oh, that's fine. You know, if you're 20 and you think, well, I can live to 80, it's so hard to see that, Sean. You know, it's just, I mean, mm -hmm. we were there, you know, when I was, when I was in my twenties, you know, you feel like you're going to live forever. You're not thinking about, well, I only have so many years left. Uh, and I, I think that's an attitude that we have to start to share with the younger generation. That's why I say when I'm, when I'm doing these uh, interviews and we talk about hacking life after 50, I always say, you know, this book isn't just for the after 50s, yeah. that the strategies that we talk about uh, are, are really great for any age. And these are the things that will help you beat the odds when it comes to the diseases we're talking about. So, and, and the science also says that you can start when you're 50 and add years to your life. But if you start living the right way early, 20s, 30s, your chances of getting to that 100 or, or longer improve dramatically. So let's scale it back a little bit here. So uh, how old are you, Mark? I am 59. 59. Okay. So you're 59 years old. So how are you living your best life now? And uh, you said your, your life started at 50. So you, you're nine years into your, your actual life here, here. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's have a live demonstration or a live, <laughs> you know, example of what, uh, what's in store for the rest of us who aren't quite there. Yeah. I, I like the way you put that. So I started at 50. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a cool perspective. And and what happened is 50 was a, a trigger for me. And it isn't like, you know, I don't want younger people to think, oh, I'm going to get to 50 and oh my goodness, you know, life changes dramatically. But it, it was a tipping point. So when I got to 50, um, I, I was still a classroom teacher and I'm not in the classroom anymore, but I was a classroom teacher for, for decades. And I, I realized that I saw my parents getting older. I had small children. And I thought, boy, I want to see my kids grow up and I want to see them live a long life. And if they have kids, I want to be a grandparent. And I saw my parents starting to decline. And I thought, man, I don't want to be that. So you know what I did is I, I took a long, hard look at myself. And we talk about this in Hacking Life After 50. We say one of the things you should do is, is do sort of a self-inventory. And it's okay to just get a piece of paper and jot things down. And we give some pretty specific instructions for things to write down to say, okay, what are my shortcomings? Let's start with, with that. What, what are my issues physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, all of those things? Well, I did that at 50 and I didn't like what I saw. You know, I had a, I had a family, I had a, I had a good career, uh, but um, I was overweight. And I was, I was probably 30 pounds overweight and, you know, I wasn't obese and I didn't, people weren't saying, oh my goodness, you need to do something. You know, I wasn't going on the biggest loser or anything like that, but I didn't feel good. You know, and when we, when we talk about um, meal planning and diet and hacking life after 50, we don't, we don't stress the whole weight thing. You know, we're not. We're not body shamers. It isn't so much about weight as it is about an individual and how that individual feels. I didn't feel good. I got tired easily. And, you know, as an educator, I'm, I'm moving constantly. I'm in a classroom. I'm walking down hallways, whatever. And I was tired. And I'm like, I shouldn't be this tired when I'm just getting to 50. You know, when I was younger, I was an athlete. So I thought I shouldn't be tired. Um, didn't feel good. Uh, fatigue set in. Uh, I, I started getting, you know, and we typically say this about older people, right? So you, 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 you get joint pain, you know, mm -hmm. inflammation, you start getting, you know, uh, you, you notice pain in your knees and in your back and you can't lift things like you used to all those things. And I thought, you know, 50 is not that old for me to feel this way. So I, I kind of did that inventory uh, and I just went through all those things I had and I said, I need to do something different. So, you know, first thing I did is I, I thought about how I eat and, um, you know, my wife, I give a lot of credit to her and she's younger than I am by nine years. So she, she was more into health and fitness and I kind of ignored that. And she drinks a green smoothie every day, every day of her life. 
And uh, for years I looked at that and I'm like, man, that, that looks gross. I don't, I, you know, I didn't eat fruits and vegetables. You know, I was on the standard American diet, the fast foods, the grease, the chips, all that stuff. And um, one day she said, she said, um, you know, if you don't like a green smoothie, you might like a different kind of smoothie. And she said, let me, let me, you know, mix you up something. Well, the next thing you know, she's making smoothies for me. And, uh, and I started liking them. I'm like, wow, these are, these are really good. So that was a start. And one thing we write about in Hacking Life After 50 is incrementalism. We're big believers in small increments because, you know, diets don't work. Fad diets, we say right away, fad diets don't work. Uh, you know, use the, the New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get on a big diet and change everything. Those last for a very short time. And then people go right back to what they were. You have to work in increments. So for me, the first step was I'm going to, the smoothie life. So, so I, I had a really healthy smoothie, you know, fruits, vegetables, protein, uh, some um, fiber, all those things packed into a smoothie with mostly mixed berries and bananas. It to me tastes really delicious. So that's a start. Well, I noticed over a few weeks that I started feeling a little better. I started sleeping a little better. Sleep was another big problem for me. I was a, my doctor called me an insomniac. And um, so I'm like, well, you know, one more step. What's next? Those are those increments. What's next? So I decided I was going to take the next step starting with diet. I said, all right, I like the smoothie, but I could still use a little bit more on the fruits and vegetable side. Started tinkering around with salads. And, you know, I was one of those guys that, you know, big macho guy, you don't eat salads. <laughs> that's, that's just ridiculous. So, you know, I started playing around with salads and, and the thing about salads is you can, you can really be creative and make a salad a really good thing. But for me, it was, it was getting more fruits and vegetables. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. Um, again, we, we promote balance, but, um, that helped. Then the next step was movement. I was, I was sedentary. I was living, if I wasn't in a classroom teaching and then after, when I got to 50, I got out of teaching. I was leading a pretty sedentary life. I was sitting around, I was on my phone or I was on my laptop. Um, I traveled for a while when I left the classroom. So I was sitting on a plane for hours Then I was in a hotel for hours. And uh, that was the next thing is I was like, I, I need to move more. And, you know, all of this came from research. I, I spent tons of time reading books, reading about healthy people, people who then were studying longevity. And as I said, in this long story, I, I, it all started with me saying, I want to live a long life because I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see grandkids, all of that stuff. So incremental changes uh, were huge for me. And, and that's just some of them. So how'd you come across your, co your co-author? Um, I forget his name. Jim, um, Jim Sturdivant, James, Jim? He's, a, he's James on the book, James Sturdivant. James. Well, you know, um, when I, when I first left teaching, uh, I, I started a publishing business. So, okay. so my company times 10 publications is, is actually publishing hacking life after 50. We started out doing books in what we call the hack learning series, and they are for teachers and school leaders. So because I was an educator and I'm like, I want to continue to help teachers get better. I wrote a book about my life as a teacher and how I changed over time. And I thought, man, we need more of this kind of stuff out there. So that's, that's where my business started. You know, that's the entrepreneur side of me all started there. And, um, uh, I met, uh, Jim Sturdivant in a, a group, a social media group of teachers talking about best practices. And I got to know him a little bit and I really, and he lives in Columbus and I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. So we're, we're only a couple hours apart. One day he's like, you know, my wife and I like to come up to, to Cleveland and spend time once in a while. Why don't we get together? So we had dinner and anyway, Jim and I became friends. And then I said, Hey, when I started the publishing company, I said, Hey, I love what you're doing as a teacher. Why don't you do a book? And, um, so anyway, he, he wrote a, um, he's now written three books about teaching and learning in, in our hack learning series. And Jim and I started talking a lot. Next thing you know, we used to always talk about education. Then we started talking about our fitness journey. You know, and we realized that we were very much like-minded in, in that journey. And, you know, one time Jim said something about, you know, I, I want to live a long life. You know, I've got, I love life. Uh, Jim's one of those, you know, he's a big personality. You know, he's, he's just, he's always happy. He's always smiling and laughing. 
And, uh, and that's, that's important. We write about that in Hacking Life After 52, joy. Joy is, is, is a big part of longevity. So anyway, the more we talked, I just kept saying, Jim, you know, we don't really talk that much about education. We talk so much about health and fitness and living a long life. And, and the conversations are rich and we're, we're reading things and we're trying things and putting them into practice. Maybe we should write about this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a year ago and, uh, you know, we just started putting stuff down and we would, we would talk, you know, two, three days a week and then we'd write and we'd get in and look at it and then we'd talk some more. And anyway, that gets us to now. So I, I've known Jim now for uh, about seven or eight years and, um, you know, we're excited now to be on this, this uh, journey and be talking about after 50s life. I want to expand on something you said earlier and it's a, it's a title of your book. It's um, the joy filled part of huh? living after 50. Um, I think a lot of people kind of confuse what a joy filled life is with like a life that is full of like constant ecstasy, you know, constant excitement, you know, constantly feeling good every minute of the day. I mean, your, your co-author, your friend, Jim, he sounds like he's kind of that type of person, Mm -hmm. but everyone hits a low period. Everyone gets knocked down. Everyone feels a little deflated. And that's something else too. I think it's worth talking about here as we're talking about uh, life and health after 50 is that, you know, uh, depression and mental health is pretty big in older populations because they notice these these uh, things happening to their body, you know, the joint pains, the inability to do things that they used to be able to do, especially if they were athletic and very strong when they were younger. And now they are just feeling more and more tied down by their body, whereas their body they used to feel free and able with their body, right? So... Why don't you kind of, if you can, kind of uh, talk a little bit more about that, about how they actually know the difference and how to actually balance the two and keep things in perspective. Yeah. And it, it, it's a, it's a real issue, Shauna, that I, I appreciate you bringing up and having this conversation because um, that is a thing with after fifties, especially when people transition from a career uh, or become empty nesters. So this is a thing that Jim and I, have learned in not only our own lives, but talking to other people in our circle, you know, and we hear a lot of uh, stress and, and depression even in people we know who have transitioned from their career, uh, are retired, uh, empty nesters, so their kids are gone. Um, some of them maybe have uh, lost a spouse, so they're, they're on their own. And they're, they're lonely. Loneliness is, is a killer. It is absolutely something that will reduce the amount of years you live. A lot of great science on it. New studies, especially, uh, again, since, since COVID, since being in a pandemic world, uh, there was so much of that isolation. And, and you know, we, the, the focus tended then to be on kids, you know, and all the issues with school and being locked down and being away from friends and gravitating to social media, which can in, in, in and of itself can cause anxiety and depression. But recently, a lot of that, those studies have then have now gravitated to people in the after fifties world. And, and again, with loss, loss is a big one. And we talk about loss in the book. Uh, we talk about depression, the, the idea of isolation and loneliness uh, these are really important. And what you have to do is you need to be intentional about your approach. What happens to people who are lonely or feel isolated or feel like there's nothing left? And again, I think we're getting m- more into the well beyond 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s. A lot of people will say, I, I, what's left for me? What's my purpose? Uh, our book starts with a, with a chapter on purpose. So it's important right from the jump to define your purpose and to say, I do still have purpose. First of all, we have experiences. We have education. We have so many things to share. So that's, that's one of the things we promote is to, and, and we've talked about this, share with the younger generation, right? We're talking about, uh, you know, anybody in their 20s, 30s, 40s to say, don't wait to do the right things, to live a long, healthy life. Um, and the emotional side is a really big one. So we, we talk about engaging with community, 
with content. Um, we we have a, a phrase we use throughout the book, and there's a chapter dedicated to it um, that's all about the momentum mindset. And what we decided in, in when we came up with this phrase was we said, what are the things that are important for purpose and avoiding depression and anxiety and all that? And we agreed that in the after 50s life, you need a sense of curiosity and you need to have a, a yearning for adventure. Uh, and you, you need to still be willing to try things that are new and, and challenges and take risks and to know that you might fail and then to adapt and to move on from that. That's what we as educators taught kids, right? We, mm -hmm. in, yeah. class, in the classroom, we call it a productive struggle. So, you know, kids, they don't like to fail. So if you give them a task and they can't do it, suddenly you'll see a lot of times kids will be like, I, I just can't do it. So yeah. as educators, we promote the attitude of that the struggle is part of the journey It's and we need to make it productive. So you fail. Okay, no problem. Let's go back and reflect on that and look at what we did wrong and do something else. And you have to do that in after 50s life. You know, you see people, you got to try new things. Right. It, it, it's, a, it's a huge thing. You have to try new things. You know, we talk about meditation. Uh, I, I used to be one of those guys that was like, yeah, meditation, that's for people, other people. That's not me, you know, uh, and, and now meditation and mindfulness are part of every single day of my life because they give you a great sense of peace and calm and they help you see the world through a, a different lens. So yeah, those things are really important. The mental side, the emotional side, the social side, it's all in Hacking Life After 50 and it's so important, not just for younger people, but certainly for after 50s. So in a way, when you hit 50, you have to kind of relearn things that you learned in the first grade about how to actually live and how life actually works. Yeah, that's a great way to put it uh, because you know, and I love that you went to first grade, you know, the young kids, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they're, they're so willing. They are curious that you don't have mm -hmm. to tell them to be curious, you know, to embrace right. curiosity, to yearn for adventure, you know, to be adventurous. You don't have to tell those kids that it's just sort of, that's, that's the way they are. They're like sponges and they're soaking it all in. Right. And, um, and, but yeah, you're right. We, we kind of have to relearn that when we get to what we call life's act two. And, and that's a really important part. I, we, again, we promote that it's the best half of your life, mm -hmm. but, but you do have to be intentional about the things you do to make it become that. And, and that curiosity, that adventurous spirit, trying new things, understanding failure, so important. So you, you don't really, you're not in the classroom anymore. You said you still work earlier. I think before we yeah. started broadcasting, you still, you still work, but you're not in the classroom anymore. So you don't do your, your um, normal gig as much as you used to. You got this publishing company. Mm -hmm. Now you get, you're into the entrepreneurial world, mm -hmm. which, you know, is a whole new, it's a whole new universe in and yeah. of itself. So what are some things that you're doing now that constantly keep you on your toes and keep you advancing forward? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked about purpose and momentum and curiosity and having an adventurous spirit and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, and the entrepreneur journey is a big part of that. Uh, and, and taking risks, which we promote, you know, don't be afraid to fail. So when I transitioned out of the classroom, I didn't retire. I wasn't at retirement age. But I just decided that I needed something new. So it started with, you know, I wanted to share my journey as a teacher with other people. And we talk about sharing again in, in the book. It's important to share our life experiences with, with other people, especially younger people, because that makes you a teacher. And teaching people things that you believe will make them successful makes you feel better. Back to joy, right? So it all ties together, Sean. All, all of this stuff, the physical, the mental, the emotional. So yeah, that journey has, is, it gives me purpose. So, you know, I started, I started times 10 publications and the hack learning series books for teachers and school leaders. Um, when I was right after I was 50, maybe 51 and, uh, the company is about nine years old now and it, it was challenging. It was a completely new thing for me. Uh, and it, and it came with hurdles, you know, uh, a lot of challenges and there's times when I was like, ah, I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, but the, the thing about that journey 
that is so important is that sense of purpose again and that momentum mindset. And I, and because I was an educator and I taught kids to embrace failure and to learn from failure, uh, you know, I carried that into my own experience as an entrepreneur. And I said, uh, and fortunately, I have a very supportive spouse who kept saying, you can't give up. You got to keep going, you know, try something new. That's what you taught kids. You got to embrace that mindset. Yeah. So, you know, that that continues to give me purpose. And you know what? We we go through uh, periods, transitional periods in our life. And, you know, it. you could say they're decades, but I don't know that it's always decades. There's There's people out there who say it's seven years, you know, the seven year itch. I think it's really important to recognize in after 50s life that we have these periods and we do need to transition into something new, whatever your period of time is, whether it's seven years, 10 years, 12 years. And that's been a big thing for me. So I, I you know, I started this hack learning series. We have, I think, 35 books now in that series that are for teachers and school leaders. And I love that. And as an educator, I love helping educators be better because that, that helps kids. And, you know, that's a great goal. But I got to a point then in the last year or two where I started talking about expanding. And I said, what if we can take this problem solving model that we've created in the Hack Learning series, which is about simplicity, incrementalism, you know, start small. I said, what if we can take that and we can expand it to, to people who aren't just educators? So that became another transition point for me. And now we, we call this new series Hack Learning Life. And that's what Hacking Life After 50 is the first book in Hack Learning Life, which is problem solving books for everybody. And that was another transition period for me. And, I, and at first I found myself going, yeah, I don't know if it'll work. You know, I, I'm, I'm an educator and we've done books for educators and I feel comfortable. You know, you get comfortable. You're in a comfort zone. Right. And um I think you got to get out of that sometimes. I think you got to say, now I got to get, I got to get uncomfortable again. And that leads you on that path to starting something new. And I'm excited now. So now we've got this new book and we've already got two more books coming behind this one in what we're calling Hack Learning Life. Uh, and we're focusing on a, a lot of health and fitness for everyone, um, entrepreneurship, startups, how to, you know, how to start a company. And uh, it's pretty exciting. Now, the the, uh, the term anti aging that's that's uh, pretty big now. Yeah. Um, it's floating around. There's there's uh, differing opinions about how people feel about that. A lot of people embrace the anti aging label. A lot of people think, well, no, this is not about not aging. This is about just aging better. Mm -hmm. So, it, like, there's kind of a conflict between anti aging and longevity. We don't want, like you said, there's there are definitely benefits that come with getting older, getting 50 and plus. Um, and you don't want to say that, you know, all that the whole journey from birth to 50 was for nothing. You know, you don't want to just kind of dismiss it as a, as a, as a non thing. Um, so I can, I've start, I've now started to see like this, is, there's a rejection of this anti-aging It's like, no, we don't need this idea of anti-aging. Um, we need the idea of just aging better. You know, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of our conversation has been in the overlap of what we might call Life's Act 1 and Act 2. And, uh, you know, we want to, I, I especially and my co-author want to condition younger people in Life's Act 1. First of all, it, it certainly is important. But in addition to it being your career and growing up and maturing and maybe finding your spouse and having kids and all that, we want to build into that the idea of longevity, uh, whether you want to call it anti-aging or whatever. We want to build in the idea that in act one of life, you are building toward the second half. And I, I just think that's an attitude that we don't have in society. You know, I mean, I, again, I have I have kids in the, uh, a 19 year old and about to be 21 year old. And, you know, they remind me of me when I was that age. They feel like they're going to live forever. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's no there's no sense of understanding of that time. And I keep talking about how fast time goes by. 
You know, I just said to my son, he's going to be a junior in college. And I said, doesn't it feel like yesterday that you were a freshman? You know, and I said, look how fast those two years passed. So if we can get people to embrace the idea that when I'm in Lice Act 1, I'm, I'm actually, it's like running a race. You know, we, we like to say beat father time or outrun father time. So the idea of anti-aging, as you said, is, is uh, it, it's living a healthy, it, it's aging health in a healthy way. It's aging in a way that gets you to as far as you can get. And to me, I, I think that would be a great goal for younger people too, to say, you know, well, you'll hear younger people go, man, I hope I make it to 50. You know, because 50 seems so far away. You imagine mm-hmm. if, if when you're 15, when you're 18, 50 is like, you know, forget about it. But I keep saying, I'm like, it comes, believe me, because I was your age too. Yeah. It comes. So I, I just, I like that idea, that mindset. When we talk, we call it momentum mindset. That idea that let's think about the future because it's going to come. You know, I just, we don't, we, we mentioned finance in our book. We don't write a ton about it. But we give an example of of finance when you get older about managing money. We don't we don't teach that nearly enough. So and you know this is sort of an aside, but it's related to that idea of younger people looking to the future. I just got my daughter who's nineteen into a Roth IRA, and and she works. And I said, you know, if you put a little money in here and then you contribute to it every month, I said, I know it's hard to see, but someday you'll retire. And, you know, she's set up to have a million dollars in her account when she retires. Now, it's, it's hard for her to see that retirement. You know, it'll be 62, I think. But, you know, I said, it's going to come. I might be gone. I hope I'm not. <laughs> I said, but <laughs> it's going to come. And then and then you've done something significant. And now you you also don't have to worry about finances in that second half of life. So, yeah, we need to promote the attitude, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think the promotion of the attitude and the, and is probably key right there. I'm trying to think. I think I, I read a quote by F. Scott Fitzgerald once. He said that the problem with American lives is that there's no third act. Um, I think that's probably what he was getting at there because, you know, this is a guy who was alive and working during the jazz age. And mm-hmm. if you want to talk about a, you know, come what may kind of attitude before yeah. the world virtually came to an end mm-hmm. at the end of that decade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I feel like that's what he was getting at. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, it, again, it's, it's an attitude we need to get around. And I think that sometimes people think, well, I've heard people say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work till the day I die. Because, and, and again, there, the people who say that there hasn't been a lot of preparation along the way. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's work, 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 and unfortunately spend, 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 because that's, that's the attitude. That's the society we live in, you know, and it, it, it's all about instant gratification, you know, oh, I made a little bit of money. I'm going to go buy the fancy car. Or I'm going to buy the gigantic screen TV or whatever. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I got a big screen TV and I love TV, but, but, you know, I, I think that um, there's the attitude of the young and even the middle age that I don't have that much time. So I got to do everything right now because I don't have enough time. And like you said, F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, there's no third act. Uh, we, we, like, we have two. <laughs> we like to say there's <laughs> act one and act two. So maybe there isn't a third act, but guess what? We want act two to be pretty long. <laughs> well, maybe the third act, if we're going in this direction, maybe the third act is actually, um, you know, the first act obviously is before 50. The second act is 50 and above. And then, you know, you go into what a uh, pediatric, Peter Otita called the super centurion range where you're talking about people 110 and beyond mm-hmm. people who have really just that, that, you know, you mentioned the lifespan, the average lifespan in this country is like high seventies for men, low eighties for mm-hmm. women. These are people who basically just sailed past that. Yes. They, you know, they, they sprinted right past it yep. and they are just, you know, still here in what seems like forever. So Possibly that's the new third act, yeah? Yeah, I think it could be. And, you know, we're big fans of uh, the work of Dan Buettner, who studied the Blue Zones. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of this. But uh, the, the, the Blue yeah. Zones, it's a, well, it's a fascinating thing. And, you know, we, we always say we're not doctors. We're not, new, we're not certified nutritionists. We're educators right. and practitioners. And we're researchers. So our book, In Hacking Life After 50, we mentioned many great sources. Um, Dan Buettner had used to work for National Geographic, 
And he spent a decade uh, finding the, these, these super centenarians that you're talking about. These are the, the people living well beyond 100. And he found that there are five places in the world that are the most densely populated with people at well after 100. And, uh, and he went and spent time with them. Uh, and, and it's, he, and so then he wrote this book called the blue zones, really fascinating stuff about, uh, how these people live. And, you know, when I, Jim Sturdivant, my co-author and I, when we were talking, we both read this and we're like, this is really the way we live. You know, we're not in a blue zone, but this is where, how we live. You know, the people that are living to 110 and beyond, even just as if we go again with a hundred and beyond, uh, these people are doing the kinds of things that we write about in Hacking Life After 50. They're living a, a wonderful, joy-filled life. It's clean. They're eating right. They're moving, you know. You know, and I know you're, you're a big fan of, of movement. Yeah. And, and, I mean, these, these guys, they're not lifting weights. Well, they are lifting weights, but they're not dumbbells and barbells. They're not in a gym. They're doing the daily things. They're using foundational functional movement. Um, he, he found in uh, one of the blue zones is in Okinawa, Japan. And, and Dan Butner wrote this book about blue zones, went and lived in this community for, I believe it was a month or longer and spent time with people who were after a hundred and interviewed them and, and lived with them and went in their houses and stayed for hours and hours. And one of the big things that he found, he said, there's not a lot of furniture in their houses. <laughs> and he said, Here's somebody who's one woman in particular. He said she was like 105 years old. And he said, she sits on the floor. And he said, you know, the first I saw that, I was fascinated by it. And he said, and then what I noticed, I'm, I'm thinking, why don't you get a chair? You know? And then he noticed, he said, she's getting up and down dozens of times a day off that floor. And what is she doing? She's pushing, she's pulling, she's squatting, she's bending, she's turning. These are the functional movements that we need throughout life. We talk a lot about the younger kids. When you're in your teens and 20s, you're not thinking, yeah, I have to make sure I can get up off the floor. You know, they're doing, you know, cartwheels and somersaults and never thinking about that. <laughs> but, you know, it's a big key. My father lived to be 93 and, and he did he did suffer from some, some dementia, which I, you know, that's the thing I really want to avoid. But one of the things I noticed about him is he could get up and down. I mean, right up until the day he died, he could get up and down out of a chair and move. And this guy, I never saw him touch a, a dumbbell or any kind of weight in his life. Never saw it. But what did he do? He moved constantly. You know, he fixed our cars. We, he, you know, we had five kids and he didn't have, a, he and my, my mom didn't have a lot of money. so. You needed oil changed or brake pads or whatever you needed. You didn't take it to a shop. He jacked that car up and he got underneath it. And I saw him, you know, I'd look under there when I was young and he's got a, a wrench in his hand and he's turning it and pulling and I, he's groaning. But, you know, these are those movements that we need. So uh, that that struck me a lot that we, we have to move. That's a big piece. So blue zones is interesting. I would tell anybody we we're big fans of sharing, not just our own work, but the, the people that we have, have studied and, and have taken on some of their ideas and practiced them. And we find that they work and uh, the, the blue zones is a big one. So these people are living long lives. And, and the other thing, it isn't just the movement, it's how they eat. It's community. They tend to live with family or in a very small community with friends, they don't drive, they walk everywhere. Uh, they're, they're gardeners, they're growing their own food. It, it's just a, you know, they're not sitting on their devices all day. Right. right. It, it, it's a cool thing. It's, and it's culturally enforced too. It's culturally reinforced too. So I think that's one of the big item here that we're not, we're not getting here. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent on. Yeah, that's a it. You know, some of these are smaller communities, and it's just the way of life. And you know, we're we're talking about that journey and looking at the younger kids. I mean, you think about the kids in those blue zone families, and uh, and Dan Buettner when he he was living with these people, uh, he writes about how there were multiple generations in a household. 
So you had young kids and their parents and their parents' parents and then great, great grandparents. And he said, so, you know, these people, the kids are growing up learning to live that kind of life. And this is what we're talking about. If we could get people in our own world, our society, our young folks to see this, um, you know, and it, and we got to model it. That's the key. That's what I'm, I try to do here in my own house with my kids is model it. You know, I say, this is, this is the, the best way to live. You know, are they jumping up and eating, you know, mostly plant-based like I am? Not really, but at least they're seeing it. Right. And seeing it matters yeah. really a lot more than just what they're hearing. Well, Mark, uh, we're, and then we're coming up pretty close to when you have to get up and leave here speaking about moving. So, um, I don't think we need to really, I was going to ask about strength training, but I don't think we really need to go into that. I think you kind of touched on something which are actually the most important here is just constantly moving. Yeah. I strength train all the time. So I, I, I'm a firm believer and advocate in the, in strength training, but I also believe in doing things that are, I believe it's used as a compliment, not entirely just what you do. Yeah. And, and we're not, you know, just to be clear, we're not anti, you know, weights or, or weight training or getting into right. the gym. I mean, we talk in the book about how people in their seventies who have never done that um, can still do it. And it, yeah. and it is important because we lose muscle mass uh, huge starting in their forties. You know, right, muscle yeah. mass decreases yearly, uh, and a, and a lot of the new studies are saying that um, maintaining and continuing to build muscle uh, might be the most important part of longevity. You know, we put them all mm -hmm. together. We're big believers in the balance of all the things we've talked about. But yeah, just to be clear, we're not anti. We're, um, you know, we lift weights uh, <laughs> and, and and we encourage it. But um, I, our thing is to think about the movements that you're, you're mimicking. You know, there's a lot of stuff. You go into the gym and you see big bulky people and what they're doing. It, it, that's fine for them, but it might not be the best thing if you're saying my goal is to maintain my muscle mass and, and, and fight degeneration and all of that. You know, we, we talk a lot about the things to do. Um, I think the, in, the, emphasis, the emphasis should probably be on endurance as well as like, um, you know, um, surpassing, you know, or thriving, yeah. see, you, you know, surviving and then thriving. But first you gotta be surviving before you can be <clears throat> thriving. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll, on that note, um, Sean, I'll give another shout out to one of our, the, the people that we have read and, and followed carefully, uh, a guy named Peter Atia, yeah. uh, who also studies, you know, longevity. And um, he, he has created something that he calls the um, centenarian decathlon. Yeah. So yeah. this is a really cool thing. And, and you just made me think of that when you said thinking about the, the kinds of things you do and also, you know, how long you can do something. And like one of his decathlons for centenarian decathlon things is, can you cover three miles in an hour? And he says that if you can, whether it's walking or fast pace or mixing jogging and walking or whatever, he said, a goal should be to be able to cover three miles in one hour. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just one, you know, there's things about, you know, carrying a certain amount of weight. He says, you know, if you can, if you can put, I think it's 25 pounds in each hand and walk up a flight of stairs and do that like four times, this is a wonderful uh, functional movement that you're going to need later in life. Think about when you get old and you're, if you go out and buy groceries, you know, if you're, if you're 80, 90 years old and you'd still like to be able to carry those groceries, you know? Right. So that's a really cool thing as well. Peter Atia is somebody you might, you, your, your listeners might want to check out. Absolutely. He's a brilliant researcher and a great writer, very approachable and readable stuff too. I will tell yep, you too. No he, doubt. Does, he does, he does not overburden you with jargon, which is what no, many of these folks yeah. do. He's very good. All right, but Mark, so as we kind of close off here, we have a closing tradition on this podcast where the <laughs> guest has kind of the final word here. So if you could leave people one thing to remember and one thing only, what would you say would be? Oh, I like that one, man. It's just, it's a, it's such a tough choice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with one we haven't even talked about. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to say the one key word is hydration. So I'm going to say, think about the amount of water you take into your body every day. 
And we're not talking about things that have water, like beer or wine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> although those aren't bad. But we're, we're, we're just talking about water. How much water do you take in? And I'll just leave your listeners with this one. The, uh, the medical profession says that half the people on the planet, not the United States, the planet, do not get the minimum amount of water that they should have daily. Uh, and, and hydration is one of the most important things for all ages. But if you want to live a long life, you certainly have to be hydrated. So think about your water intake. You know, the old standard is, you know, eight glasses or eight 10 ounce glasses. And you can certainly go with that. But uh, there's a lot of ways you can find out um, exactly how much you should have based on your activity and based on your body weight. And uh, that that's another one of my discoveries when I was like, I need to get better and healthier um, hydration. And for more, I would say, can I, can, let me leave people with, please visit us at yeah, after50slife.com. After50slife.com. You can find our book, learn about Jim and, and me and uh, all the other resources we offer. Mark, thanks for so much for coming on, man. Sean, I have thoroughly enjoyed this, man. Let's do it again sometime. For sure, for sure. So when you uh, release your second book, we'll bring that out. So maybe it'll be uh, Life After 100. <laughs> life After 100, or maybe maybe probably not so far out, maybe Life After 70 or 80 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, We're going to do something. We're talking gotcha. about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And everyone listening, of course, you'll find all of the contact information um in the show notes so just look out for that too he already gave you kind of a glimpse on where you can find his stuff at so life after 50 10 ways to beat father time and live a long healthy joy-filled life it's a book by mark barnes and jim again, <laughs> and jim sturdivant sorry yeah uh, no worries jim sturdivant and mark barnes check it out but for right now, this has been Fitness Reborn. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness, and I bid you a very good day. I'll see you on the other side. Move forever. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace. Peace.